Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. My name is Sylvan, and I will be your host. We are back in the fintech center of Switzerland in Zurich West. Today, we interview Daniel Sandmeyer, a longtime investment banker and now startup CEO. The startup Instimatch Global received the Growth Startup of the Year Award at the Swiss Fintech Awards last week. The Instimatch Global office fits the startup cliche and makes a very likable impression. The entrance is located on an industrial site and is somewhat hidden. The office is simply and functionally furnished. Foregoing any frills, they focus on their business and on driving further growth. We sit down in two nice yellow armchairs in the conference room and make ourselves ready for our conversation. Before we get started with the episode, I would like to introduce you to SBB Startup. If you think that your company is a good fit for the Swiss Railways, get in touch with them or learn more about their startup programs at sbbstartup.com. Daniel, a very warm welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Silvan. Today, we're going to talk about your story, the story of Instimatch and also your personal story. You worked at Credit Suisse for more than 12 years and in general in investment banking for more than 20 years before getting involved with Instimatch. In what way has your corporate career supported your startup journey? Well, I guess uh, the 20 years of investment banking taught me a lot around, a lot around business, um, ha- helped me build a large network uh, in the banking industry in Switzerland and beyond Switzerland. and. Uh, Definitely learned me, uh, learned me a lot about leading teams or working in teams and later on leading teams. Uh, and I guess also making fast decisions in a, in a, in a fast-moving world, of course. So it's been a very interesting time in investment banking and uh, it, it definitely taught me a lot for running a small company right now. So a great preparation for that new job, sort of. Yep. How did you then decide to move from a safe corporate environment to the roller coaster journey of a startup? Well... After um, yeah, after all that time, I I really felt like doing something slightly different and, and change of scene. So I decided actually at the end of Credit Suisse, or actually I had the opportunity at the end of uh, my my tenure at Credit Suisse, to uh, build a new product aimed at uh, ultra rich clients in private banking, which gave me the opportunity to to build a build a team from scratch, building a new product line from scratch, mm-hmm. and I really thoroughly enjoyed that. So it, it was really for me this kind of kickstarted me and gave me the idea that I think uh, you know I, I would be I'd be ready to run my own small company or join a small company and uh, and and take a step out of the large corporate world, Great. which I really enjoy now. So that was basically your startup in a big corporate company. Exactly. Still with the backing, of course, of a large corporate. So it's somewhat different nowadays, of course. We don't have the backing of a large company anymore. But, you know, anyway, I think it gave me, I, I, I smelled blood. That makes sense. So with Instimatch Global, you are digitizing money markets by basically connecting institutional borrowers and lenders on your platform. 
what's like the real problem that you solve for these different parties? Why do they actually use your platform? Yeah. Well, I guess, look, in, in everyday life, um, all of us are using digital marketplaces for a vast number of uh, purposes, really. Um, if you think of, if you go and book, want to book a hotel or find the best rated hotel, or if you want to book the cheapest flight, you, you'll go to the likes of booking.com, right? Or if you want to search a new, you know, the search for a new employee in your company, you, you may want to tap in one of the largest pools of talent and go and, and, and screen, screen, a, screen personnel or potential hires in LinkedIn, right? Similarly, if you, whatever, to take a last example, maybe uh, if you're looking for a casual date or maybe even meet your future wife or, or, or husband, you may go to Tinder. So I'd like to put it like that. Actually, you know, if you're a treasurer um, or, or working on a money market desk or managing liquidity for a large corporate, etc. So if you're looking to dispose of excess cash or if you're in need of short-term cash, you, you, you may want to join Instamatch Global and become one of our clients. That's a very good comparison. But what's like the specific problems that you solve for these different groups on your platform? Well, let me let me give you you know a couple of numbers around cash deposits markets or the unsecured money market. I guess it's 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 still one of the largest financial markets um, which has been very much un, untouched by technology technology. Uh, which means a lot of trades really happen bilaterally between counterparties over the phone, uh, over chat rooms, um, through voice brokers. And uh, to our surprise, or to my surprise, when I actually looked into the company or into the, into the very early stage, it really struck me that uh, there's, a, there's very little data. But the few data points that one finds actually indicates that a lot of transactions happen within, within the same country, so within the borders of a country. So take a simple example, a corporate treasurer that has excess cash and needs to park that cash somewhere, he'll simply go to one of his preferred banks within the country, which seems logical, and call him up and say, hey, look, I have 100 million to place for two months. What do you pay, right? So... Um, so I guess all in all, we have a lack of technology in this in, in in cash deposits or in money markets. We have a lack of price transparency for simple fact that there is no central marketplace. There's no stock exchange, which gives you a full look through at bids and offers over a large number of counterparties, and you can see market depth. So you're lacking transparency and market depth, and 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 in result of that, you're also lacking counterparty diversification. So our platform really enables you to trade with a large number of treasurers across borders and across sectors. We, um, we, our clientele is currently, of course, banks, but we have a lar larger and growing number of corporates on the platform, asset managers, insurance companies, pension funds, public, public sector counterparties such as cities, Switzerland, maybe cantons, um, and, and uh, all of those make for a great mix and diversifier for, 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 for people looking to dispose of cash or looking to borrow cash in the short end. Sounds like you're really, you know, solving an old school way of, of dealing with uh, the money lending business, basically. Yeah. yeah, I guess, look, we, you know, we've just taken a very old fashioned place, uh, you know, or, or way of doing things and digitized it onto a platform. Mm -hmm. When building a startup, you usually also face obstacles along the way. So what were your biggest challenges so far in building Instimatch Global and how have you actually solved them? 
Um, I guess, look, biggest obstacles at, at the beginning is, you know, I'd say finding the right people yeah. is one thing. Uh, clearly want to build, uh, build a small but very efficient, effective team that, that, that starts building, building the offering. Do you have any recommendation of how and where to find them? Um, uh, not really. I think that we really started, I mean, actually, you know, we did start with our own network. I think that it, it sounds very logical that you'll start your own company with people you trust, you know, sure. um, know you can count on, know have the right business logic, right? Uh, and understanding. So I guess we started very much with our network, um, but we've already exceeded those limits. I guess the last few hires have been outside our network. Um, it's just even as a small company now we're, we're, we're 13, 14 people and we have nine external developers that cater to us, but it, it just, it, you know, you have to go and search beyond. So coming back to your question, I guess, um, obstacles, I guess, you know, apart from building the right team, which is not a huge obstacle, but you know, it's something you really need to think thoroughly about, I think is, is really finding, uh, finding your first clients. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's something that takes uh, takes uh, conviction. Uh, it takes a lot of uh, you know uh, convincing convincing people that you're even though you're an early stage startup, you're really going to make impact and change 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 the world in the segment you're 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 getting into. So I think we were pretty successful in starting here in Switzerland with with twenty clients in Switzerland only. Um, very rapidly. We we're very lucky to find our first set of customers uh, and have since expanded a, at a really, really, really great rate. We, we're, we're around 100 clients now across 15 countries, uh, you know, a year and a half later, roughly. So um, that has been kind of, uh, you know, worry at the beginning, finding clients, but it's not as much anymore. I think it's getting much easier after a certain time when you get referrals from existing clients that are happy using the platform. You get approached proactively by clients. Um, you get approached to people from here that, you know, from here say I've heard about Instamatch. So I think that's the beauty of sl- growing slightly and being, being more at a growth stage than at a very early stage. Yeah. To what extent has your network also helped you to win over the first clients? Um, I guess, you know, it, it can help, but doesn't have to help really. I'll be very honest. And the, the network uh, doesn't always work. Sometimes even cold calling is better. So, uh, you know. I think that's a very good takeaway because many people might think, I, oh, you just need a good network, but that's not necessarily the case. Not necessarily true, no. I guess, yeah, and what else? I mean, funding is definitely a topic for startup. I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's part of the roller coaster or whatever. That's part of the, the journey. You, you need funding um, as a team grows. And you know, even, even if you, your business is growing, you need to con- have a constant eye on your liquidity. Um, I, I'd say that's probably that's probably about it. Since you're building a platform, I can imagine that you also face the challenge of having a good ratio between lenders and borrowers. How, like, was that ever a challenge that you faced? Yeah, I mean, we did initially have an overhang on the borrowing side. I think we, you know, there's not there's a natural overhang in, in, in terms of uh, in, in terms of people looking for money, really, and in particular, the biggest part of the liquidity happens in the U.S. dollar curve at this very stage. And we've tried to complement that through a lot of, you know, through, through, through a, a number of measures, really, and have have come a long way in in, in adding more lenders to the platform and being uh, being complementary to, to the starting point. So we're happy these days to have to have quite a large number of quotes. I'd say in January, February this year, we had tremendous months. 
um, with uh, with growing liquidity on the screen and having having uh, whatever I think uh, roughly 200 billion of uh, of trade intent on the platform in February alone. So. Is there anything you do specifically, like do you have a fixed ratio that you look at in terms of lender and borrower ratio that you target or how do you measure that? Not really. I guess, uh, you know, should, there should be a reasonable balance to, to of course, uh, cre- create uh, create an opportunity for a trade. And it's nothing that's really in our hands. I guess markets will will also define partially where, you know, which side you'll end up. Uh, I think market circumstances um, with a changing world may also may also dictate on which side people are at some stage. Sure. Let's see what happens with with the ongoing uh, with the ongoing uh, Corona crisis if that creates right, actually an even even bigger overhang on the borrowing side again because people will get into liquidity squeezes and need liquidity. So let's see what happens to rates and uh, and that uh, maybe equilibrium that I just depicted before may change dramatically into into an inequilibrium inequ- again. Absolutely. Then for acquiring both lenders and borrowers, um, you, you mentioned cold calling in the early days. Nowadays, mostly referrals. Are there any other like specific marketing activities that you do in order to attract these people to your platform? Yeah, I mean, I guess, look, of course, we, we attend uh, the treasury relevant conferences. So there's a, there's a larger number of conferences uh, that focus very much on 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 the treasury function um so we've we've attended a you know we do attend regularly some of these conferences get exposure to to uh cfos treasurers etc there's still there's still a fair amount of cold call cold calling i have to admit it's not that it's gone Uh, referrals definitely have come in the meantime we attend conferences um, we do a lot of social media uh, activity and uh, social media marketing campaigns every now and then as well to create awareness to our target sector, target target clientele. Do you focus on LinkedIn there? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I sense. think it's a great tool. So uh, we really uh, we really love spreading the news through LinkedIn and partially through Twitter. Nice. So a startup also lives from you know supporters basically in the early days, especially like you mentioned fundraising, for example. So you need investors, for example. Who else were other strong supporters of Instimatch Global that really helped you building a company? Well, I guess um, goes back to what we just discussed a couple of minutes ago. I think our initial, you know, we have to be very thankful for our first uh, first twenty uh, odd customers that we found that helped us helped us. Uh, Kind of build the first platform and, and finesse it, and, and ultimately got the first trades on the platform. So we have a you know a couple of very loyal loyal customers that we're very thankful for. Um, you need you need an investor that uh, you know believes in your story, believes in you building something that can make a difference in in that particular segment. So somebody who's willing to um, you know to to lend you money or to buy a stake in the company. Uh, and uh, you know, and, uh, and 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 also potentially, you know, help you. I think that's that's one of the greatest assets you can find actually as a startup is to find an investor that's not just a financial investor, but what I would consider, let's say, a strategic investor. So somebody has a skin in the game, or somebody who really, you know will help you build build your business and help you make connections, promote you as well. So not just somebody who's looking for, you know, flipping the quick buck and making sure. making an ex, making a making a big return on investment. So I think we're very lucky to have a very good investor base uh, that helps us build the platform. 
yeah, um, that's it. I think uh, we're looking to, you know, of course, partner up. Um, so I think you need you need a you need, you need a, a mix a good mix of all these to uh, to support your business in, in in growth. Absolutely. On the other hand, startups sometimes also face opponents that they have to deal with. That could be competitors, for example. Have you faced any opponents along the journey? Well, um, we're being asked uh, very often who's who's your competitor. Now we're very comparable to other digital marketplaces. Of course, um, people compare us. Um, to the likes of 360T, which is an FX trading platform that connects corporates with banks, but we're just in another mar- in another product, right? So um, people compare us, of course, with voice brokers. That's basically what the process or, or or the business we're looking to digitize, and which I personally think is is bound to vanish at some stage because the younger generation, the millennials that will come into business and 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 uh, and work in treasury departments, they don't want to do business with voice brokers. No, no, with all due respect, I believe they will want to trade through a platform and have a, have a digital marketplace. Um, I mentioned it earlier, a lot of trades happen through Bloomberg chat rooms, uh, which is something uh, I, I as a trader found very cumbersome because I, I could not believe that there are still trades happening actually through chat rooms bilaterally. Uh, because it's just, it, it, you know, it just cuts out the rest of the market, right? You're doing a trade, leaving out a lot of information, which goes back to kind of my initial statement saying, look, you go to digital marketplace for a lot of needs. You get a good view or a good shot at the whole market. You go to booking.com, you go to Amazon, you go to wherever, and you get right. great information about pricing, market depth, where can I get a certain product uh, cheaper? So for me, uh, you know, I think competitors... Um, in, in that respect, um, we don't have any exactly direct competitors doing, doing the same. Mm-hmm. But of course, what we're trying to do is unbundle services such as Bloomberg. So we're trying to do um, something other people do just much better and more focused. So we want to stay true to liquidity management. Um, we're going to attack other products. We're... Uh, not just in the well, well, right now we're doing cash deposits. We're looking to roll out the second product uh, in in the coming weeks or months, um, which is uh, fiduciary deposits. We're definitely going to roll out other product suites, but we definitely want to stay in the short-term liquidity management topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can imagine, uh, you know, we can imagine partnering up with money market fund platforms and other substitutes for liquidity management. So I think. There's a lot of potential if we, you know, if we stay true to, to the liquidity management topic. Before we continue with the show, just a quick word on the Swiss FinTech Awards. The Swiss FinTech Awards Night ceremony and the associated FinTech Conference have been postponed from 12th of March to 31st of August due to the current special situation. The organizers are very pleased to have already received the confirmation of all keynote speakers and panelists for this date in order to be able to catch up on the top class fintech conference at the end of August. Over the coming weeks, they will be updating their website continuously. So make sure to check out www.fuw-forum.ch fintech. You said that you basically also want to switch or change the way that people handle these tasks nowadays from chat rooms or voice brokers to your digital platform, building a better product and an easier to use product, is that enough to actually make that switch happening? Or do you do 
any other like very specific activities to really make them switch. Because I can imagine, you know, if, if you have a workflow that feels natural to you, you follow that workflow for years, sometimes it's difficult to change something in that workflow. Um, it's a very good question, actually. I think uh, very early stage, um, I would say you need to convince people to, to you know, do exactly what they're doing through the platform, rather through the phone or a chat room or something else. So I think that is that is a, a, a hurdle you need to overcome. You need to convince people that the platform is actually easily more convenient. And ultimately, I think the most convincing and appealing one is that you get better pricing, right? So I think uh, that said and done, once, once people successfully execute their first couple of trades on the platform, they get to really like it and enjoy it. Um, but yes, it's true. It is, uh, in some cases, con you know, it is still, it needs some hand-holding. You know, you need to, you need to, and that's, you know, you need an initial phase, you need to bridge the gap between the old-fashioned world of picking up the phone or, or whatever means you're using, and and you need some uh, hand-holding. You need to call up customers, say, hey, look, actually, I see you're not logged in to the screen today, but there's actually something really happening in a market you may be, may, might be interested in, and, 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 and that activates people. So I think from pure sales, and we've been talking a bit about sales, what becomes increasingly important for a startup at a, at a slightly later stage is, 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 is a CRM function. So client relationship management, people that actually hold hands and do others to keep, to keep the engagement level on, on the platform very high. Um, of course, you know, we need to stay, you know, we, we want to be a very, very scalable business. We believe we're a very, very scalable business. The number of potential customers for us is almost unlimited. So, you know, the exciting thing is, I think, as the volume grows, as the platform grows, and the number of client grows, that will, I think, I believe that will, you know, that part of the hand-holding as such will vanish again because the stickiness on the platform will increase dramatically and people will kind of have fear of missing out. They will log into the platform because they think, hey, uh, you know, I, if I need to dispose of 200 million, there's no way of not going into Instamatch and actually checking market quickly, right? But still, there's this uh, point in time where you really need to focus on the customer success to bring them in and engage them with the platform. Absolutely. I think that's a crucial mes message to, to take away. Recently, you were also awarded with the Swiss FinTech Award as Growth Stage Startup of the Year. So can you tell us a bit more about how and where you were able to grow your company over the past months? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, yes, of course, we started in Switzerland. We, we were a small team when I started you know, nearly two years ago. We were like three, four people in this office, um, still, still running with the first 20 clients. Um, I think we took a step back and uh, developed an entirely new user, user interface, um, which uh, has, you know, has gained us a lot of you know, um, momentum and uh, made 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 it much easier convincing clients. I think the user friendliness, and that's something maybe I want to enter into of the user interface, is very critical for us. I think uh, we're trying to bring on a diverse set of clients. If I may elaborate on that one very quickly, I think we have everything from the you know hardcore professional money market trader or treasurer that's very much used to um, trading systems, trading screens, which. Uh, for the regular normal person, might may look a bit awkward or overloaded with information. 
to you know no disrespect but to to uh, you know to other people managing liquidity that have liquidity needs that maybe are not are not on a daily basis but they they log in once or twice a month potentially or whatever so we really needed to build a user interface that was user friendly for both the professional but also the, the less frequent user and i think we really succeeded well in defining uh, a new you know, platform and and make it very intuitive and user friendly, and that was kind of an exercise uh, for a couple of months. After that, we started really going out again proactively. Um, you know, most recently, you asked where did we have momentum? I guess look, our strength has been so far in the in in the Dach region, uh, of course, where we're kind of home and the adjacent countries. Uh, we have clients in Scandinavia. We have a, a larger and growing number of clients in. In, in the UK because we have a very strong sales team in the UK. So we have good traction these days with uh, SMI corporates, FTSE, uh, FTSE 100, FTSE 250 corporates. Uh, and, and we've had great success end of last year with Eastern Europe. So I think we've onboarded quite a large number of banks in, 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 in Austria, Czechoslovakia, etc. And have entered actually the Middle East. So we've signed a, a joint venture or we're collaborating with a uh, with local partners in Qatar. We've opened office in Qatar. And over the last two, three months, we've onboarded a larger number of, uh, of banks and corporates in predominantly Qatar, Kuwait, and Oman and are looking to enter uh, other markets such as Bahrain, Saudi, uh, and Dubai, obviously, along, uh, along, along the path in the coming weeks and months. So our growth trajectory has been, you know, focus on Europe. Don't, get, don't spread too thinly. Mm-hmm. Let's try to cover Europe as good as we can, Europe and UK, move towards the Middle East. And the next step uh, will, will obviously be, not obviously, but you know, at least on our roadmap will be Asia as it looks. We've done our due diligence on what it takes to enter the Singapore and the Hong Kong markets. We know exactly what it takes. Uh, but I think, you know, as a small startup, you obviously, you know, you cannot cater to, you know, you have to, you, you would reach your limits. We have already an interesting situation where we have opening hours six days a week because we do cater to the Middle East. We have quotes on the screen on Sunday. So the Middle East is closed on, our, on Friday and Saturday. So um, I, I think moving into the, middle, you know, to the, to the Far East, you know, of, course, of course, poses other problems or, or, or questions. You need to have longer opening hours being a, being a, you know, a digital marketplace. You'll, you'll have even longer opening hours with, 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 uh, with Asia on the screen. You need support lines. You need people, you need people on the ground supporting, et cetera, et cetera. So as we grow, we just want to stay reasonable, cater to the markets we can too. But obviously, we have, uh, we have a large ambition growing into Asia. And of course, the obvious question comes up, what about the U.S.? Yes, we obviously ultimately want to enter the U.S., but I think... You know, when time comes and we're ready, we'll do so. Um, just one follow-up question. You also mentioned the importance of the user interface and the ease of use of your platform. Yeah. How did you actually develop that? Did you do any user testing? Did you have like focus groups? How do you test it and make sure that you are actually in a, in a good spot there? Well, uh, pretty straightforward, actually. I, I hired somebody who's uh, been, uh, you know, 
on the IT side of uh, my former employer, one of my former employers, and have actually developed uh, trading or trading floor systems over the past 20 years. So somebody who's you know, very uh, knowledgeable about, uh, about systems and interfaces, and they actually designed that interface for us. So uh, I think that helped a lot, having somebody with the business understanding, with the understanding of people actually using the systems uh, you know, and uh, that, that made a big difference. So we also want to talk about the future. What can we expect from um, InstiMatch Global and the future, basically? What are your plans for the future? Well, apart from, you know, geographic expansion, which I guess I elaborated on already uh, quite a bit, um, I think, you know, at the stage where we are now, we want to create exponential growth. I think for us, it's, it's really critical that after proving the concept and proving that we can, on a one-by-one basis, onboard um, you know, quite large banks, uh, large corporates, etc., and, and grow our community, the question has come up, how can we accelerate, right? So you're looking. You're obviously looking at, uh, at striking partnerships with uh, with 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 other companies in in a similar sector or with a with a complementary offering. So for us, what's really on the roadmap uh, is is and it's on as in is is on its way as well is um, partnerships with uh, potentially treasury management systems. We're in advancing talks. Uh, to sign a deal amongst other with the treasury management system, which will obviously give us access to, you know, their community, their community. And we will, we will, you know, add our product line uh, as an additional service to their, to their systems. So I think that's, that's one thing that will allow us to grow our community on uh, a much larger scale uh, very rapidly. Another, another way of, of, of growing the business and enhancing our offering is 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 a partnership with an FX provider, whereby we look to fill our screen uh, across currencies with 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 the inputs of a, of an FX provider that we're looking to collaborate with. And ultimately, I think one other initiative which is very promising um, from our standpoint is the whole Islamic banking sector. Uh, with our move to the Middle East. We've really realized that bridging the gap between Islamic and conventional banking is something that is screaming for digitalization and screaming for uh, for our help, if I may say so. <laughs> so we've actually only just executed our first Sharia compliant trade on the platform, um, I think two, three weeks ago, nice. on a Sunday, by the way. <laughs> so... Um, I, I think there is a lot of need, and I, I don't want to go into too much detail, but of course, uh, in, in Sharia-compliant banking, you're not allowed to pay or charge interest, so it's all about expected profit, and expected profit is being uh, replicated through a series of uh, non-precious uh, metals transactions in a commodity space. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking to partner with a uh, commodity specialist, which helps us replicate all the trades behind and, and, and actually automate that process. So uh, that's, that's something where we see, obviously, with our move into, into the Middle East, a lot of potential are very hyped about it, that we can go into that space. Absolutely. When you actually look for new partnerships, how do you make sure that you align your interest with their interest, that you can actually have a fruitful collaboration? Well, I, I, I guess the question that always comes up first is what's in it for us, right? right. It's kind of, 
is the obvious one. I think for us, of course, yes, uh, you know, we, we, we need to, you know, we have, I think we have an appealing offering. We, we have a growing and appealing community. So uh, in, in general, you know, those discussions, uh, if you find the right partner and, and, and convince them that you bring something to the table and the other party obviously has something to bring to the table, it's not such a difficult discussion. It's ultimately the more, the, the more difficult discussion is then how do, you, how do you share what everyone brought to the table? So how do you share the revenues or whatever? But look, I, I, these are very interesting discussions, but I think there's a lot of interesting startups around. Uh, there's a lot of interesting, you know, established companies around that do business, you know, we can imagine collaborating with. But I can tell or, you know, uh, that that uh, even larger companies these days are are very keen to talk to startups. They're very open to having discussions. They, they listen to us. They, you know, we listen to them, of course. Um, but, you know, we have we they have an open ear for, for, for what we propose. I'm not saying it works in every instance, but look, I think that's what's pleasantly surprised me after my 20 years career in large corporates. You know, you always think, my God, you're a 12 person or whatever, 20 person in total company. How are you going to get access to certain accounts or clients? But, you know, we uh, are very happy that we really, uh, you know, get listened to. So I think these partnership discussions are very important to us and, 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 and very fruitful at the moment, actually. I think those look very promising for our future. So you really have an exciting future ahead of you. So we are curious to see where this will take you. Before we conclude the episode, I have some rapid fire questions for you. Basically, I give you a choice of two options. You make one choice. And if you want, you can explain in one sentence why you made that choice. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. So first one, humans or robots? Uh, humans. Why? I guess... Um... You know, even if we build a digital platform, there's still a human behind operating it. I think there's still considerations that may may come or not in, in, into the decision-making process. So ultimately, yes, we, we're a digital platform. We're looking to digitalize something. But at the end, we need the human to say, yes, I'm doing the deal or I'm not doing the deal. So the human. Next one is centralization or decentralization. Oh, um, in in my case or in our case, in Instimatch's case, uh, I'd say centralization of the marketplace or a central marketplace with a decentralized database. <laughs> a very good, uh, also compromised answer or a diplomatic answer, basically. Wealth or happiness? Oh, happiness. I guess, look, these days we're in the midst of... Uh, of, of Corona virus uh, in a crazy world, I guess, uh, you know, all that matters is health and happiness these days. Absolutely. I mean, not that wealth doesn't matter, but uh, I think it uh, strikes me as a moment where happiness is more important. Yeah, I definitely fully agree. Small teams like 10 people or big teams like 100 plus people? Oh, I've come to appreciate small teams. And I guess, look, uh, you know, I think if I look at our company, you know, of course we're we've grown, we will be growing, but I'm uh, I'm hoping we can uh, we can keep the team uh, lean. Uh, I think we have a very scalable business because we're a platform business. So I'm convinced we can actually grow quite substantially without growing the team exponentially. So uh, you know, I, I you know love to work with a small team and have an exponentially growing business. Actually, sounds like a good deal. 
And the last one, Zurich or London? Uh, Zurich. Um, yeah, look, I mean, it's not where I was born, but you know, I, I love this place. I've studied in Zurich. I've worked in Zurich. Um, I've worked in London in between, but you know, um, uh, on and off. But really, Zurich feels like my hometown. I love this place and the mountains, the lake, everything. So good quality of life. Exactly. That was a lot of fun, Daniel. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And we wish you and Insti Match Global all the best for the future. Thanks for having me. It was really a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the content, we would be thrilled to receive your rating on Apple Podcasts. That way, you not only support Swisspreneur, but also help other entrepreneurs discovering the show and finding more valuable information on how to run their businesses. Next week, we will already be back with an all new episode of the Swisspreneur Show. So we hope to see you again then for a new episode.